0: Welcome to Mint. My name is Adam Levy, and I'm going to be showing you how the creators of today are building the communities of tomorrow by harnessing the power of Web3. This episode welcomes Dan Hannum, COO of Zen Ledger who's on a mission to provide crypto traders and tax professionals with the most user-friendly tax and accounting software for cryptocurrency investments, trading, and fund operations. In this episode, we go over the basics for what creators should know about crypto taxes, from starting a DAO, selling your first NFT, issuing and buying tokens, and much more. We basically cover it all. I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. Dan, welcome to Mint, my friend. How are you doing? Thank you for being on. I'm doing well thanks for having me on dude i'm excited to have you on i know jack shit about taxes uh hence why you're here today um so thank you for reaching out uh and i'm excited to learn more about zen ledger number one number two it is tax season uh and what a better person to talk to than yourself so let's just dive right in who are you what does the world need to know about you but more specifically how'd you get your start in crypto
1: Sure, sure. Um, So my background is already in traditional finance. Uh, I went to the University of South Carolina for my undergrad and my MBA, and then went up to New York and started working at Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley. It's more of a traditional finance background. Um, And then most recently was at TD Ameritrade. This was leading up to about late 2014, early 2015, um, and had kind of got the crypto bug full time around that same period. I've been investing personally in crypto since 2012. And then in 2015, was fortunate enough to make crypto kind of a full-time career. Um, so left here to Ameritrade and moved out to San Francisco uh, and started working at Blockchain Capital, uh, one of the, the probably earliest and, and largest funds in the no. um, and was leading their uh, early stage equity team as an analyst. So just analyzing early stage companies and working with uh, the team on evaluating, you know, which protocols, which projects would, would make sense from an investment perspective. Um, and that was kind of my first foray into working in crypto full time, um, and was fortunate enough about a year and a half later, late 2016, early 2017, to be an advisor for an ICO project called Gear, which is a green energy and renewables token. Um, and the other advisors on the projects were Larry King, uh, like D. Larry King, Stan Barty, who runs a, a, a company called Forbes in Manhattan, which is a multi-billion-dollar merchant bank in Canada, and then Jim Rogers, who's one of the, who's led one of the most successful funds in in Wall Street. Um, i was fortunate enough to get them involved in the project uh, like most items back in, in that time frame uh the, the token value went up pretty quickly um, and so they all invested a million two million three million bucks you know in, in six eight weeks walked away with five ten fifteen million um and are really excited about crypto and wanted to get more involvement and had no way to do so and so kind of parlayed that into hanum capital management which is a 25 million dollar venture fund we raised in 2016 Um, And then our second fund in 2017 through uh, personal funds of of myself, and then uh, our three LPs, Um, and long story short, that led us to making a ton of real estate investments in core infrastructure plays. And Sunlander was one of those investments that we were really excited about. Um, I was using Excel documents and Google notes and handwritten notes and block explorers and trying to like tie things together. And it was just one, a hassle and probably not accurate. And so thought there would, you know, would need to be really successful and and really easy to use uh, and accurate tax software for this ecosystem and and asset class to evolve. Um, And that was kind of the origin story of ZenLedger. And and so we made the investment in ZenLedger in 2017. Um, And then in 2019, one of the co-founders, a guy named Drew Nordstrom, um, and if that last name sounds familiar, his family owns Nordstrom's. um, his, uh, (laughs) His uncle had just gotten sick. And he wanted to take some time to really work with their family office on making sure that you know their generational wealth went from one generation to the next. And um, I was always looking for you know the next entrepreneurial thing and, and something to really build. And as much as I loved investing and in meeting with you know really great founders, there was kind of a missing piece of uh, of my day to day of really building something. And, and so I uh, ended up joining the team as a COO in, in 2019.
0: Damn, what a journey! That's like a- the that's like the most intricate, I think, intro, but also really impressive intro that I've heard from someone on the podcast in a while. So you've been yeah. at, you've been in deep for a while now.
1: Yeah, I mean, full time about ten years professionally, about seven coming up on eight.
0: So working, TradFi, moving to VC, then falling in love with the ICO era, going to work and working advice projects, uh, to then raising your own fund to then deploying that capital uh, and one of the, one of the, one of the projects was Zen ledger CEO left, you came in and now you're the CEO, COO of Zen ledger, right? Sure. So how did, how did it go from making an investment to becoming like a full-time executive, building the project out? I assume you are.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, so the investment was really kind of core to our thesis at Ham capital. And that was investing in really great teams, building really great infrastructure for this asset class to evolve. And so we saw accounting and taxes as kind of the non-sexy, but really boring and crucial infrastructure that we would need, not only from a retail perspective, but enterprise and governments. As this asset class, I think when I first started in 2015, we were like, oh, you know, 80 to $100 million asset class. Mm-hmm. Wow. Which is like, you know, it, it's crazy to think that we're now at like $2.5 trillion and probably <laughs> go to $25 trillion, $250 trillion, right? And so we saw the value in the time, and, and as a kind of, highlighted, you know, we were trying to figure out our own taxes. I've always tried to be on the compliance side and and was fortunate enough to be able to be early in crypto. I think when I started at blockchain capitals before ETH's ICO. Mm-hmm. So always that like ETH wasn't even my first ICO. Um, and, and so I was fortunate enough to make, you know, a considerable amount of money and wanted to make sure that my assets outside of crypto weren't going to get affected as I continue to make more money in crypto. And yeah, well, it was just looking around, and, and there, there, was probably like two companies on the market that both were kind of buffed up Excel docs, right? They, they weren't yeah. really like a product; it wasn't really a software. They had no customer support. They had very, you know, small if, if any integrations. There were people that were like kind of trying to be entrepreneurs, but weren't really. And so saw that there was an opportunity to really build like a very successful product in this space. But at the time, I mean, I was fresh into fun too. And wasn't you know looking at building anything. I was just like, I'm going to invest in this project. Great team. So we kind of have like a checklist that we look at when we make investments, and they were kind of hitting all the Got ones. Uh, CEO, you know, had led multiple business teams at Amazon, Chicago Booth MBA, Navy helicopter pilot. CTO Brian uh, was leading Microsoft development teams for 25 years on Internet mm-hmm. Explorer, Microsoft Hardening, and then his last three exits uh, were a total of four and a half billion. So a guy who sold companies for a lot of you know a lot of capital and has led yeah. teams along the way and so anyway as long as we're straight, sense, we yeah kind of checklist of things that we look for when we invest and then when the position came open i was like all right well i already know the team i know the product I know the metrics I know what this thing can be and so my job was to make it from you know point a to point b
0: got it got it so wow that's pretty cool but from what I understand, you never really dealt with the tax side of things. Like this is a very tax specific venture, right? It requires, it honestly requires a certain individual to go, (laughs) to go into this niche. I could never do it. Honestly, I could never do it. But you came from a Tradify world from then a VC world to running your own fund to now managing a software product that's niche for the tax space. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I commend you. That's all I'm saying. I commend you. Like that's like, that's one of the most unsexy things to do, but the most important things to do uh one of the most important hats to wear in crypto at least yeah i mean i sit in a unique
1: position of being able to deploy capital full-time as an investor and right. operate a business and, and, yeah. and you know there's not that many people in crypto that get to do both and, and so i'm very fortunate and lucky and the nice part about Zenledger is is we're not just a specific protocol or platform that focuses on one aspect we support over 500 different exchanges over 12,000 right. different tokens over 60 different blockchains there were 50 different DeFi protocols nfts now have DAO related products so as much as like the core accounting and taxing like oh that's pretty boring like one plus one equals two right it's like we get to live and breathe crypto from a to z every day all day like we're building the next new protocols we're looking at l1s l2s we're looking at bridges we're looking at everything right and so the nice part about the job is it's kind of high level seems boring but the day-to-day like we have to build for everything that happens because if you don't support this one token or this one blockchain your taxes aren't accurate. And if your taxes aren't yeah. accurate, it doesn't matter, right? So no one wants a 98% complete report. They need a hundred percent. And the fun part is we get to build across the ecosystem.
0: I feel like you have so many people. So the way I understand Zen ledger, you connect your wallet and then you're able to basically populate a dashboard of uh, of your transactions, what you spent, and then what you owe kind of thing, right? How much you've made, et cetera, right? That's how it yep. works. Okay, yeah, much. so I feel like you guys collect such intricate data Um, or you, you, you actually are able to, to siphon such interesting data to see what users are doing on chain in a more like discrete kind of concrete, more visual way for the most part that many other people might not have. For example, if you see like 95% of your customers using, I don't know, some type of protocol or some type of, I don't know, product that hasn't really surfaced to market, for example, you could basically leverage that on the fun side example, and write and tap into that data. Have you found yourself doing intricate plays like that? Does it work like that? Or am I misunderstanding it?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, the, the, the cool part about the ingestion engine that we've built is that because of that wide net of support that we have, you can really get an understanding of what's going on. So imagine like Nansen, but on steroids with real customer data, right? Yeah. So we yeah. can see everything that's going on. We can see what you're doing, where you're doing it, what you're sending, how much you bought it for, what you're selling it for. And as you add tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of customers, that data sets get very large. Um, and, and so the the, the fun part um, is that we can really be one of the few people in crypto that has a very aggregated view of what you're doing. And so what I mean by that is if you look at a Coinbase or a you know OpenSea, right, mm-hmm. they only have a sliver of what happened on their exchange or their platform right. or their protocol. Right. And so I only see 10 of your 100 trades or you know 10 of your 100 transactions. And because we aggregate every single source that you've ever used from your first transaction to your last, and it's all cleaned up, the accounting and tax IP is like the first step in our journey into a you know a different type of company. Um, and so the accounting and tax is like a very clear use case. And so once you get that solidified, it's very easy to layer on portfolio tracking. It's very easy yeah. to layer on you know alpha generating events, so partnering with like a CoinGecko or a Mercari or a Delphi and adding in alpha, adding in trade execution, adding in real time tax analysis. So before you make that trade, what impact can that have? And and so the core accounting and tax IP is like phase one of like a 10 phase journey that we'll continue to layer on. And so that data becomes really important, not only on the retail side, but we work with tons of enterprise clients and their data sets. So like Budweiser's NFT drop or Ralph Lauren's NFT drop. Um, And then we're able to use that data set to build very, very sophisticated AI and ML Uh, like, you know, uh, integrations within our platform. So we can see and pair up non-taxable self transfers. We -hmm. can see and pair up that this asset was bonded. We can pair up that this is two assets going into a liquidity pool and one coming out. And then that one asset going back into another liquidity pool. And then that placeholder token going into an NFT. And so all that takes like a lot of analytical frameworks to be able to view and accurately see what's happening on-chain and merge that with your off-chain activity. Got
0: it. Got him. So let's dive into the sexy part—the tax questions. Okay, it's tax season, uh, and part of why I wanted to do this conversation is because I don't feel like there's enough people focusing on having or having tax conversations specifically for the creator side of things. Even though a lot of these conversations can be applied to much bigger, uh, uh, I guess, problem sets beyond the niche set of creators um, or user set. Excuse me. Um, so what what do I need to be asking? Like, what what's going on right now? I know Biden just came out with an executive order too. I don't know if you have thoughts on that specifically if you do I'd love to hear your point of view um, yeah. we can touch upon that I'd also love to touch upon like what's happening in the world of of nft tax for example sure. I know there was a lot of confusion on that on crypto Twitter for a long time and people are having different conversations assuming different things so I really want to give the microphone to you we can start with the bite with Biden's executive order if you have thoughts on that and sure. jump more into like more of the traditional tax questions that people tend to approach you with and then we can kind of go from there
1: yeah, yeah. I did an interview with New York Times and Forbes yesterday on the the Good. Biden executive order and kind of the ramifications for, for crypto. And I think one big item specific to crypto tax that many people in the industry have been asking about is real time and like real updated guidance on NFTs, on DeFi, on DAO related issues. And so right now we have to take this conservative approach to kind of fungible taxes and look at how that's applied to non-fungible items. And so there's not really clear guidance that if I use AVE and I receive Aeth in return, is that a taxable event? Is that not? Conservatively, you would likely see that it's taxable going from, you know, uh, ETH into Aeth would likely be a taxable event if you're getting two different forms of property. Um, and then there's an aggressive side, right? So a lot of the confusion is not necessarily around how it's tracked, but how it's actually treated. And, and so this ambiguity in gray area creates a lot of frustration and a lot of confusion. And so we think this executive order will not only lead to stronger guidance from the IRS, but also from SDC, also from FinCEN, also from other agencies that will give us guardrails to build on as we move forward. Um, and, and so yeah. I'm definitely kind of excited about it because I think most entrepreneurs that we've met with, most partners that we partner with, most consumers that we speak with, they just want to understand you know, the, the guardrails of what they're doing. And then allow them to go in and out of it. Right. People are always going to break the rules, but if you don't give them the rules, it's hard to go after them and say, you broke them. Right. So I think as an industry getting better guidance all around on what's the security, what's not, what is this, what's not, what is that, what's not, is going to be a better boom for us moving forward. And it's going to allow these net new individuals that are kind of sitting on the sidelines saying, Hey, I don't want to get into crypto because I'm not sure if that's going to impact my 401k or my IRA or my, like my, you know, my saving fund for, for my children. Um, And so, yeah, we we think like from a macro level, I think the clarity will be super important. I think there's a lot of things to really get ironed out, right? And so we've seen some really good attempts of making logical things that aren't very logical. What I mean by that in relation to tax is we've had this kind of reporting regime since 2017 of these centralized exchanges providing 1099 Ks, 1099 miscellaneous forms, 1099 Bs. And then the IRS seeing that you are reporting different numbers. And because you're using a software that aggregates all your activity, you can have a complete record of your numbers versus Coinbase that's just gonna report, hey, five Bitcoin came in, you know, five Bitcoin came out, and they may not have the basis because you bought it on mm-hmm. FTX or you bought it on Gemini, then moved into a ledger, then into Coinbase. And so they're missing a lot of this, the crucial details provide really great reporting. And I think that's gonna lead to a lot of audits and a lot of people that are you know inversely uh, um, you know, affected by that. So I, I guess it, my you know silver lining on that is is that I think directionally we're we're heading in a good place, and it's just like us and, and you know firms like Coin Center and and, and things like that that I can that are now getting a seat at the table that we can actually talk to these regulators and guide them on you know what makes sense and what actually would work in this industry.
0: Got it. What are some of the biggest questions people come to you with? Uh, let's start from an NFT point of view. I just bought this board ape. I sold this board ape. I rebought it at a lower price. I'm just giving out scenarios because again, yeah. I know very, very little about this stuff. But what are the what are the biggest questions that people come to you with, or the the most common misconceptions that people have around crypto tax or NFT tax uh, that you tend to be like, okay, this is what you do, this is how it works, X, Y, and Z.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I think to start off, it'd be really highlighting like the three main buckets of tax. Okay. And so for most individuals, there's a fiat on-ramp along the way. And so going from dollars into crypto has no taxable event to it. I can take $1, $10, a million dollars and put it into Bitcoin, ETH, whatever I want. And there's no taxable event for that. The second bucket, which is the largest bucket, is crypto to crypto. And that's going from Bitcoin to ETH, ETH into Uni, Uni to Sol, whatever, you know, your, your token of choice. And that's really where most of the DeFi and NFT related things come from. Then the third bucket is going from uh, crypto back into dollars. And I think for most people, logically, that makes sense. Okay, I sold my crypto, I got X amount more dollars or less dollars, I have a gain or loss. And so that second bucket, crypto to crypto, is really where things get a little bit complicated uh, and where you need to be aware of. And so what I mean by that is is typically with a lot of these NFT platforms, you know, OpenSea, Rare, Rareable, Nifty Gateway, whatever your platform of choice, most of the time the assets that you're looking at are going to have only markets with crypto involved, and so you'll have like Flow or Dapper where you can buy NBA Top Shots with like your credit card. And so if you do that, you are just you know you're logging in your cost basis of the asset. I spent ten thousand on a LeBron James highlight, um, and now this asset's worth ten grand. If I sell it for twelve, okay, bought it for ten, sold it for twelve, super easy. The crypto to crypto becomes a little bit more challenging. And so what I mean by that is when you're buying your Board Ape in your example. How are you buying that? Are you using ETH? Are you using a stable coin? Most people are typically using ETH for ETH based NFTs. Um, And so when you look at that ETH, when did you buy that ETH? How long have you held that ETH? What was the cost basis of that ETH? And so when you are trading your ETH for the NFT itself, that's a taxable event. And so you need to be able to record, I bought ETH for X amount, I'm selling it for X amount. Then your NFT has a cost basis. And then when you go from your NFT to another NFT or NFT back into ETH, those things are gonna have taxable events to it. And you're gonna to need to be able to record these stats. And that's where a software can come into play. Instead of you trying to track down how much was my ETH worth when I originally bought it? How much is it worth when I sold it? What gas fees went into this? Um, you know, what is the value of this NFT? We automate a lot of that for you. Um, and so those are probably the biggest items is just looking at that crypto to crypto bucket. Got it. When you look at misconceptions, I, I think the one that we get all the time is anything that happens in my wallet is not trackable. I think that's like the farthest thing from the truth, right? Anyone that's looked at EtherScan, Snow scan, SnowTrace, like your blockchain of choice, entering your address into a block explorer, you can literally see this came in, that went out, that was a fee, this is a the token or contract address you interacted with. And so all these things are public and traceable, as or, you know, most of these things. Obviously, there, there's a few blockchains, but those don't really have NFTs on them anyways. Um, so that's probably the biggest misconception is Whatever I do in my MetaMask, my rainbow wallet, whatever my wallet of choice is, um, the IRS can't track and they'll never find me. And so that's mm-hmm. really incorrect and, and probably the biggest one that we get.
0: What about for groups that form DAOs and, and basically issue uh, fungible tokens that get distributed and that incur costs and expenses? And they don't maybe form it legally because they, they treat it in a very efficient order. We just we could just start this thing, issue a token, distribute it to everyone. We'll all put in some capital and we're all anon's online, right? Um, how does how does that work? How does that scenario come into play? Because I feel like that happens a lot in crypto. I don't know if everybody's an anon for the most part, but let's assume, okay?
1: Yeah, I mean, whether you are or you're not, there's a few different factors to to you know be aware of as you're going through a DAO, okay. right? And this so if if you're a creator of a DAO, and this is something that we work with all the time, whether it's through um, you know, through friends with benefits or C club or, you know, bankless or Mm -hmm. any of the doubt that we've already worked with. Typically you're going to want to create an entity behind this organization. And so as much as we want to think it's all on chain, we, you know, we run it through discord, we've run it through a snapshot and that's it. You're likely going to have some type of meat space entity that you need to wrap the liability of this organization in. And that could be an S corp, a C corp, an LLC, and there's various other forms of organizations or entities that you can create. And so when you look at DAO taxes, you have kind of the entity level. And so the actual entity, what is it? How is it being used? Is it an investment DAO like the LAO or um, like C Club Ventures or whatever, or is it a collector DAO? And so how the DAO is used is gonna have an impact on how the accounting and tax for that DAO needs to, to handle. And so we can sit down with the DAO and help them through entity formation, help them through accounting and tax. And then from a member level, you'll have other forms of implications, right? So if I'm a DAO member and I'm contributing whatever is valuable in this organization, whether it's deal flow for an investment DAO or whether it's curation for a collector DAO, um, I'm likely going to get paid in this DAO's native token, which is income at the time of receipt. So I might get paid in club and USDC, um, and so I need to be able to track that. And then I'm likely going to be using that proceeds to either trade or buy or sell or stake or provide yield on. And so that needs to be tracked. So from a DAO perspective, you have kind of like the DAO entity and the accounting and tax that goes into that are the DAOs going to take K1s and each member going to take a K1. Um, what, and
0: then what's, a K-1? what's a K1? So a K1
1: is a form that gets issued to organizations that have mutual partners. Okay. Um, and so LLCs typically may have a K1, but typically like your S-Corps, your C-Corps will have K1s. And so if you own an entity outright. And you're not a salary, well, you can still have a salary from a K-1, but typically owners of businesses will, will have K-1s. Got it. Got it. And, Got it. and so long story or short, it kind of depends on like, what is a DAO? What, what is being used for? And then are you starting a DAO? Or are you a member of a DAO? And how can you account uh, for that income and or capital gains that occur through that activity?
0: Got it. So I feel like every question that I'm going to ask you is going to be like very scenario based because it really depends. It really depends on the context. It really depends on the activity. It really depends on who's getting paid what, at what time, at what price the token was and all all these other factors, I guess, in the context of creators. OK, mm-hmm. and and I want to I want to pick your brain because. A lot of creators, they're issuing assets. OK, either they're airdropping tokens to their fans, right? Or they're building DAOs, uh, 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 like modern day fan clubs around uh, around a token of some sort, whether it be a membership pass NFT, whether it be some type of fungible ERC-20 of some sort. Um, what should creators kind of be keeping in mind as they enter crypto, as they continue to play in crypto and build in crypto, uh, so that they make sure they basically keep track of every single step that they take and they do it in the most efficient, uh, by the book way? Because a lot of us in crypto are anarchists for the most part. They don't care. They don't yeah. care about SEC. They don't. They care about the law. They don't. They don't give a shit. Yeah. But for this thing to go mainstream, as more users come in, not everybody's as risky as a lot of the early adopters in crypto. So that's kind of where I'm coming from.
1: No, I mean it's a great question, and, and you know we've seen different waves, right? Like when I first started, it was we're not paying taxes, f the government, and then in like, six, <laughs> like, like I'm moving to Puerto Rico, let them come find me, like. So we've seen different ways, right? But I think the net new user wants to be able to get in. They are typically coming in through NFTs um, and they want to be able to comply. Um, obviously we're gonna have a subset that, that doesn't or chooses not to, but in general, most people kind of want to be able to interact within crypto, earn a bunch of income or earn a bunch of, of, of capital gains, and just know that they can get, you know, handled on the way out. Um, so as we've kind of talked about a little bit today, you know, NFT taxes for consumers are pretty complicated. But creators have a few extra things to worry about um, and so as an nft creator you're most likely going to be running a business even if you haven't registered one and that creates a, a few additional tax responsibilities and so there's a few different distinctions between income and expenses that go into that and so as we talked about earlier that entity or, or wrapper that you have is going to be very valuable for you to really explore and so if you form an llc and choose to be taxed as a sole proprietor or general partnership your income and expenses are going to report on your Schedule C, um, and that's a different form than if you are an individual. And so the big thing to be worried about is kind of like how are you wrap you know, how are you interacting with this? And so if I'm an NFT creator, I'm I'm more likely going to want to have some type of legal entity that I operate my business through, and not just my my address, right? Um, and so that's probably the biggest one. The ones that we've seen a lot of issues with is having like separate business accounts. So a lot of NFT creators are like, okay, my address is 0x123 and I'm going to run my personal and my professional things through this address. That's a huge no, no, because when you need to separate that, what happened from your business and Mm. your personal, you can't because it all flowed in and out of the same wallet. So you're going to want to use separate wallets or separate business accounts and really not mix your personal business finances and that's going to put you in a really good position when you get into NFTs itself, and you look at like minting and selling an NFT uh, by yourself, it's pretty straightforward. Typically, it's can be taxed as ordinary income that you need to report. And so, you know, let's say you sell an NFT for five ETH and one ETH is worth $2,500. Um, and so now you have $12,500 in ordinary income to report. And so if you later sell any of that ETH, you'd have a gain or loss on the basis of that ETH. And then you'd be able to deduct Deduct gas, piece, gas fees, excuse me, required to mint that NFT, or to con, you know consult with another um, uh, creator of the NFT, maybe on a visual side, or a contractor helping you mint uh, the NFT and get the contract live. Um, and so that's sort of the biggest item for creators is really to be able to understand, you know, how are you interacting within crypto? What type of entity are you using? If you're not, you should likely have one. And then generally most of the NFT related items for creators are all gonna be income that you're selling. And then that income is gonna be taxed as an order of your income and then tracked moving forward. So if I sell NFT for ETH and then I take that ETH and put it into Got compound, yeah, you, know, you gotta be able to track that moving forward.
0: Got it. Okay. So one thing that I do with mint since the genesis of the podcast is I've collected all revenue on chain. Okay. It's all collected through a separate address than my personal address. And I've Mm -hmm. done that intentionally without honestly knowing that I felt like at some point it's going to like catch up and there needs to be that distinction, but it's all been paid out in stable coins too, intentionally, Mm -hmm. right? I've never accepted any, any of a native company's native token of some sort, all been through USDC. Uh, And the way I do it is I basically sell sponsorships in the form of NFTs, depending on the NFT, the sponsor buys determines the level of promotion for the season. Um, And, it really works with them sending me USDC and then me just se- sending them an NFT. There is no real place to basically purchase it, quote unquote, yeah. intentionally. So in that scenario, I would treat that as basically income for the business, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And it would be mm-hmm. it would be taxed the same way as if it was a USD payment kind of thing, right? Pretty much. Yeah. So it doesn't really change. The only part that gets tricky, I guess, is when things start to fluctuate and the the inputs and outputs. At what point you kind of bought in at what price that was at, and at what point you sold and what price that what price that was at. And how that kind of fluctuated in between, that's kind of that kind of that's kind of like where the, the confusion kind of comes into play. Yeah, I
1: mean that's going back to misconceptions, I think that's the biggest right. one, is that the IRS only cares about your dollars, even if it's in currency, right? And so if I'm accepting USDC, I'm getting 10 K, 50 K, whatever you know, your sponsor rate is. And so that's just USDC, right? And so you're not going to have a lot of fluctuation, if any. Maybe if you have like USDT, maybe you'll have like you know 0.99 or 1.01. Like it'll fluctuate a little bit, but Mm -hmm. relatively, relatively not much. And so when you start to collect ETH or crypto, that's where you start to run into issues. And so that's a big misconception we all the time, right? Even on the investor side, I bought, I minted this asset for one ETH, I sold it for two ETH. I must have had a profit, right? Maybe, maybe you minted it for one ETH when ETH was trading at 5K. You sold it for two ETH when ETH was trading at 2K. So you bought it for 5K. You sold it for 4K. You went from one ETH to two ETH, but you lost $1,000. And so the IRS doesn't care that you went from one ETH to two ETH. They care that you bought it for five, you sold it for four. And so that happens on the flip side, right? I buy it for 10 ETH. I sell it for eight ETH. I must have had a loss. Maybe, maybe you bought it for 10 ETH when ETH was 1000 and you sold it for eight ETH when ETH was worth 3000 Got you it. bought it for ten, you sold it for twenty-four, and so you have a gain, even though you lost in ETH terms. And so to kind of circle back to, to your side, if you're accepting in stable, you're going to be very straight. Yeah. But if you accepted an ETH today and then ETH becomes ETH goes back to forty-five or five K tomorrow, and you sell that ETH, you just made a gain on what you received it as and what it's trading worth. So Got it. just to get some perspective to like Got the it. fluctuation with crypto. Got it.
0: What's up, guys? Adam Levy here. Sorry for the quick pause. I wanted to give some love to our two NFT sponsors that are making this episode a reality. They are Coinvise and Polygon Studios. On Coinvise, you can create a personal or community-owned social token on Ethereum or Polygon. Coinvise also helps you create incentives through token rewards and bounties, NFT business models, and bot integrations for Discord. Discover more today by visiting coinvise.co. Polygon Studios is the gaming and NFT arm of Polygon, who's focused on growing the blockchain gaming and NFT industry while bridging the gap between Web2 and Web3 gaming. The Polygon Studios ecosystem comprises highly-loved blockchain games like OpenSea, Upshot, z Run, Skyweaver, Decentraland, and Decentral Games. If you're a gamer, builder, or NFT creator looking to join the Polygon Studios ecosystem, get started today by visiting polygonstudios.com. All right, back to the episode. When do you think the IRS is going to start determining things in ETH? (laughs) Is there a future where that will happen and the taxes based off the, the point basis of ETH versus the dollar amount?
1: I don't think so. I think the most likely is that they'll accept stable for taxes, right, and so you'll be able to pay your taxes in USDC. Or if, you know, as you kind of walked it mentioned earlier, the executive order, it sounds like we're likely going to put a lot of effort into a U.S. dollar that's not USDC, um, and so like a government-backed, you know, stable coin. Um And so I imagine they'll likely allow you to use stables. But for the same reasons that is tricky for us, the government wants that as well, right? So if they, if you owe them a million bucks and you give them a million in ETH and ETH you know, crashes ninety nine percent tomorrow. That million bucks isn't worth a million bucks. <laughs> and so they have to go pay their bills and their contractors and build roads and hospitals and all that fun stuff with dollars. And so, if I had to guess, like we're likely to see stablecoin related tax payments yeah. way before we see anything that has major volatility to it.
0: Got it. Got it. Are you for a government backed stablecoin uh, no. or no? Okay, why? <laughs>
1: Uh, I mean, I'm not for really government in, involvement in a lot of things. And that's funny okay. to say someone who leads a crypto. Right. Assault, yeah. Right? But like I, we've seen time and time and time again, the government is irresponsible with the funds that they have. And that's most that's people's biggest pain point with taxes, right? It's not just that you're paying taxes. It's that your taxes aren't being used adequately. And so we pay X amount and, like, the roads still don't work. The hospitals are still yeah. overstaffed, like, or understaffed, right? The library doesn't have new books. Like, So it's, it's I don't, and, and I'm speaking generally, but I think in general, most people probably don't have a, a problem necessarily with just tax. It's how much is getting paid because they're not spending it and using it wisely. And there's no, you know, there's no transparency into that. Yeah. And so I am not for having the government dictate the, the, the funds anymore. And that was kind of how I first got into crypto in 2012 was, like, wow, we just went through a major housing crisis and a major recession, and we saw that the government has continued to be irresponsible with any type of budget constraints that they have.
0: Yeah,
1: The, the debt ceiling isn't a debt ceiling, right? It, it's something that you can raise and lower. That's not, it's yeah. not like stuck, right? And so we've seen, even in the pandemic, billions and trillions of dollars being printed. And, and so I don't put any faith into a government-backed currency, and 99% of my net worth is crypto-backed. Yeah. And so I would put my trust and algorithm over a senator any single day. Yeah. Do I think that like stable coins have a lot of value? Yes. Do I think that there's a lot of challenges with our own stable coins? Yes. Like we've seen the flood around Tether forever, right? Is it actually backed? They actually have deposits. If Tether crashed tomorrow, like the industry would be in really, really, really bad shape. And, and so I think we need a stable coin. And now we see different forms, right? You have like algorithmic stable coins, you have dollar backed or, or like collateral denominated stable coins. So I'd rather have entrepreneurs create actual products than rely on the government to to give us like a CBDC. And then you start to see like China's DCEP and like the social score metrics. If I don't mm-hmm. do this, I may get shut off from my like, yeah. it's kind of black mirrorish. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm all for removing any type of financial mm-hmm. capabilities from the government because they've shown time and time again they can't, you know, they can't responsibly handle it.
0: Do you actually do you truly believe in the extremist version of a Black Mirror episode happening where we do have like a point space system on on ourselves? It's a lot of what I talked about in season one based off like creating a human stock market with all these social tokens, these creator coins and what that means in the grand scheme of things. Um, I think we saw like a glimpse of that with the launch of Big Cloud and all the the tokenized people that that were on the platform uh, without their consent, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you really see that happening as a reality?
1: I mean, I, th- I, think, I think there are certain steps that lead us more towards that direction, right? And so when you look at what China's trying to do with their stable coin, it gets pretty black mirror pretty quickly, right? Like sure. You can and can't ride the bus because you're like, your digital currency score isn't high enough. You can't own a house because of this. Yeah. And we have these like Web2 anal- like analogies, right? You have credit scores in real life, you have income levels, all that fun stuff. Um, and, and so I think that the only setback that we have within crypto is that some of these things can be used. Um, you know, in, in kind of nefarious ways, right? And so if I have a token, uh, and we've seen this with, like, Alex, you know, I feel like, like, Alex, Alex, yeah. you run into issues where, like, people think they now own you, right? Like, yeah. I invested X amount of ETH into your token, and now I dictate what you do with your life. It's like, I don't yeah. want to live like that.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't want I don't want Adam to, like, now have 10% of Dan tokens, and you get to say, like, what I eat for breakfast and, like, when I go to sleep.
0: Yeah.
1: So I yeah. think you can get, like, kind of crazy, but I think in general, like, these technologies can be used for good and bad. And that's the same thing we hear all the time with crypto It's you know, it's used for money laundering and, and terrorists and Russian oligarchs can use right. it. It's like, that's right. the point, right? No one's saying that you can or can't. There's no guard. But like fiat is also
0: that. used for that too. Like it doesn't, oh, that if, doesn't change if you're the you're
1: game. Money launder, you should use dollars.
0: Yeah. Like, like only the criminals will be using cash uh, uh, down the line. Yeah.
1: Like you, you should use cash if you want to do anything illegal. And, yeah. and like disclaimer, don't do anything illegal. But like, <laughs> We see this all the time, right? Yeah. Like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take ETH as like a form of payment for like ransomware. Like, good luck. We can yeah. track it. We just right. saw like the DAO hack get surfaced six years later and pinpoint exactly who did it, right? We've seen this with Bitfinex hack. We've seen it with Cryptopia. Like, things happen and they are traceable on chain. And so every time you see like a wrecked article, like they track it on chain and like yeah. they went from here to there and they went through like Tornado or Tumblr or Mixer and now it's here
0: yeah and and so yeah yeah, using crypto for
1: like illegal activities is is not very
0: smart is not the move dan can we talk about uh the experience in in the in the projects that you guys launched on the enterprise level with budweiser ralph Lauren? uh can you talk more about your experience doing more more high level nft drops with with more normies in the space um what that experience was like and what were some of the biggest questions or hesitations they had going into nfts that you kind of picked up early on?
1: Yeah. So I think we've seen an explosion of web two or corporate clients that want interaction within crypto, right? And so you see like the micro strategies and the Teslas that have put their, you know, uh, balance sheet into Bitcoin. And so that was kind of the first early phase, right? And you started to see more institutions that want allocations to ETH or access into ETH. And for a lot of them, the best way to do that is to use their existing brand into an NFT drop and collect ETH that way. Uh, And so because of the robustness on our platform, we've been able to really leverage this core IP with, you know, 60 blockchains and and all these different tokens to these enterprise clients that come to us and say, hey, we are Budweiser, we are Ralph Lauren, we're a Fortune 50 or Fortune 500 company, we can't afford to get this wrong. Like if we're going to do an NFT launch, we need to be able to track every single thing, account for it and pay taxes accurately on that because we don't want the other $50 billion business that we run to be affected at all. Um, And and so the value that we provide to them is providing this accounting and tax tool that allows them to seamlessly create these NFT drops and real world experiences using crypto and account for that easily and accurately. Um, And so we're excited about the future with that. So we think as Nike's getting into the metaverse and like digital shoes, we think these big brands are gonna continue to get into crypto, not only through NFT drops, but as crypto becomes more of a payment system, we're gonna see more and more companies accepting crypto as a payment. For mortgages, for auto loans, for da 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 da, um, and so all these companies going to need to account for that. And so we're kind of primed in, in a really good position. As the next Web two company comes into crypto, their eighty year old accountant named Bob in the back office like has no clue what any <laughs> of this stuff is, right? And so they're going to need a software and a team that like lives and breathes this stuff yeah. to be able to help them and make sure that they're they're, they're okay.
0: Got it. So what was it? So you guys came into the picture after the drop or were you guys holding their hand during the drop as well for both Budweiser and uh, Rathorin? A
1: little bit of both. Um, okay. So as you can ima- like imagine, these 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 ma- like major corporate clients, they don't want to get into something without knowing every detail, right? They wanted to know who the devil is, what the contract out of this was, what happens, who has control, yeah. what can I do? Can someone steal this from me? Like they are very curious, but also very undereducated in crypto, right? And so they want people to kind of guide them through that and so i, I think it'd be like extremely extremely risky um, to drop an nft if you're a fortune 50 company and have no idea what you're doing right yeah. so we were able to kind of sit with them and be like okay what is your idea right what do you want to do is it a one of a hundred a one of one a one of ten a one of ten thousand do you want to provide any type of like access to events like how do you want this nft to be worked? and then what is the utility to nft because we need to account for that and so we were fortunate enough to be kind of like early on with them and kind of guiding them through the process, largely from the accounting and tax side. Like, I'm not the creative director, right? I wasn't like, here's how it should look. or like, you should use this color or that color. But it's like, as you sell these NFTs, you need to account for that and make sure that you're paying your, your taxes on that. Um, so, yeah, you know, we were fortunate enough to be able to kind of sit there and, and really work with them and make sure that before they want to launch, before the mint actually happened, that everything was kind of already checked off and they could just Got go execute. Got it. Got it.
0: You know, as you were you were telling me about this this example on you holding their hands, another question that came to mind with doing stuff through your personal wallet versus a business wallet. Let's say you actually end up conducting all of your activities, your business activities through your your main eth personal wallet, okay?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Tax season comes, you need to start deciphering what was a personal transaction versus a business transaction. Is there any real way to do that efficiently and to kind of separate the noise without you having to individually pick each transaction out, taking account on a spreadsheet, or can a software like like yours do something like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, ideally you're using multiple ones, right? And that's like the, the easiest way ideally, to- Ideally, right. Anything. But a lot of
0: people don't necessarily think like that, right? They think, they okay, it's just wallet. I'll just send it to this. I don't even know I can have multiple wallets in my MetaMask, yeah. like, you know.
1: And we've seen some horror stories, especially around like shared wallets, right? Me and Adam want to go in and buy a punk, so you give me 50 ETH, <laughs> I put on 50 ETH, I own the punk, and now, like, who's responsible for the taxes, right? Technically, the person who owns the wallet is. Yeah. So now I need to call you and be like, yo, the punk we bought for 50 ETH is now worth 500 ETH, and you owe me 200 grand because I have a 500 grand tax bill. Yeah. there's no documentation there's no legal and that's to and to that's
0: sell. without you selling or that happens even when you sell like that just, only just happens if you sell, sell. So okay, the, the oh, yeah,
1: nice okay. right now is there's no unrealized gain or loss so if i buy asset a for 10 bucks and it's now worth a million bucks i don't owe 900 grand right only when i sell or dispose got it the asset. got it okay but we've seen a lot of horror stories with that like oh i met met my buddy you know ruby whatever on discord and like they wanted to buy this nft with me so i gave them 10 ETH, or they gave me 10 ETH into my wallet I made all the transactions in my own wallet. And now my tax bill says I owe 200 grand because we bought and sold and flipped the NFTs. And so it's like, you're going to see if that guy is actually guy or girl, is actually a friend when you call them and say, I have a hundred thousand million dollar tax bill and you owe half of this because you already gave them their benefit, right? So it, it gets, yeah, it gets, gets weird. Um, yeah, it gets,
0: with the personal weird.
1: stuff, the, there is ability within the software to separate out what is yours and what's not. Um. So you can go in and say, okay, on August 2nd, I know that, you know, in my head, I had 10 grand in ETH being paid for this service. On September 7th, I had this. And so you can separate out and ignore those and then just have just your personal and then just have those transactions imported into, the, into another account and basically ignore all your personal ones. And so, you know, ideally you're using separate ones, but if you are yeah. using a joint one, there is ways to kind yeah. of separate. That. Got it. Got it.
0: Yo, this is super helpful. I'm trying to understand what other questions should I be asking you that, that I'm not asking you? Oof.
1: Um, I mean, I think we covered a, a decent amount, right? Uh, I guess uh, the ones that we didn't really cover is like DeFi related activity. Right.
0: Okay. Um, Let's touch upon that for a minute.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's questions we get all the time, right? And as we talked about earlier, there's no clear guidance. There's no like IRS section two, paragraph three that says if you use Ethan Ave, like here's how it's treated. And so the DeFi side can get pretty complicated depending on how you're using it. And the example I always use is more of like a placeholder token versus like just yield. Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that is let's say you have 10 ETH laying around and you want to put that 10 ETH into Compound or Uniswap um, or Aave, whatever. Or you want to put it into like a BlockFi or Celsius or Nexo. And so even though you're earning yield or interest on that, you can have different types of tax treatments. And because on the centralized side, you're not really getting a placeholder token, I put an ETH and I get... You know, point one ETH along the way, whatever, um, and I get back ETH. You're just going to get taxes, interest at the time of receipt through those payments. Got it. The DeFi side gets a little bit more complicated because if I put my ETH into a liquidity pool or just you know loan it out, I can typically get a placeholder token in return. So if I put my ETH into Aave, I get AETH. So if I put it into Compound, I get CETH. And so, for, for a conservative perspective, swapping one asset for another asset is going to have a taxable event, and so. Even depositing liquidity could have a taxable event on that ETH. Then you'll have the income generated along the way, and then typically another asset, new asset coming back. And so the DeFi stuff can get pretty complicated depending on how you're using DeFi. Are you doing borrowing? Are you doing lending? Are you doing loans? Um, how are you using this liquidity? And then mapping the, the gas fees along the way. So you know, for some items, if I want to use like Token for example, and it's my first time, I have to spend like 200 bucks just to like approve the contract. And so how is that taxed? And then I deposit my liquidity. And so the DeFi side gets uh, not necessarily complicated to track, but it's just a few things to think through as the way that the DeFi protocol operates can have a a difference in how the taxable events are treated and how they're accounted
0: for. Got it. So another question that we didn't touch upon, what are the loopholes, Dan? What do people like to take advantage of that, that might not be so clear? What should we be keeping an eye out? What should we, what should we quote unquote abuse? Um, Walk me through the loopholes.
1: Yeah. I mean, the best thing to abuse right now is the wash sale rule in crypto. And so most of what we talked about in that second bucket, crypto to crypto becomes this hot topic because the IRS in 2014 stated that crypto is going to be treated as property. And that's why if you sell Bitcoin to ETH, you're selling property and getting a new piece of property, right? And so because the distinction is property and not currency or commodity, it kind of opens up to this complexity, right? But it also opens you up to a nice loophole. Whereas in stocks, because they're treated as securities, if I have a stock that's trading at 80% down, I can't sell it and buy it back today. I have to sell it, wait 30 days, hope it's still down, and then buy it back. Right. So with crypto, because of the volatile the, the volatileness of the asset, you can have assets that are up, down 20%, 40%, 60% in the day. And because these aren't treated as securities but property, there's no watch sale rule in crypto yet. And so if I buy ETH today and it drops 80% tomorrow, let's say I buy two ETH today, it drops 80% tomorrow, I sell my two ETH, I lock in an 80% loss, then I buy back that same ETH the same day at the very, very low cost. And so I get to lock in these losses along the way. And so that's a nice part about crypto. It's because we're up and down, even like the first quarter, right? We've been up 80%, down 60%. Russian crane happened. We went up and then down, like we're been in such a choppy market right now. So the, the experienced operators and investors are using our tax loss harvesting reports to show what's going on. So we'll actually show you once you import your exchanges and say, Hey, Adam, you have these five assets that you own that are all trading down at 60, 80, 40, 20. Here's how much you can sell of that to lock in the loss. Here's how much loss you can lock in. And so you'll use this guide to then start to make these, these losses. And so that's something that you need to be aware of throughout mm-hmm. the year. Is it's not just buys and sells, right? It's each buy and each sell has an impact. If I buy it for ten, you know, if I have a ten dollar gain and eight dollar loss, I have a two dollar gain. And so all these gains and losses go into play to get your total, you know, number at the end of the year. So the biggest loophole in crypto is using tax loss harvesting and using the ability that there's no wash sale rule right now to maximize your losses throughout the year.
0: Got it. So that's the biggest loophole. What are some of the most like more hidden loopholes that tend to benefit a lot of people? Cause I feel like, dude, you're so well connected. You're, you have such a voice in the space. You have a big network. For sure people come to you for tax advice without a doubt. So that's like the most, that's the most, uh, I guess, uh, uh, known loophole. What are some of the more discreet, low key loopholes, for example, if any come yeah. to mind?
1: I think that the next one probably is donations, right? Okay. And so a lot of people that have made wealth in crypto want to have like a, the ability to provide wealth and give back to their communities or organizations that mean you know, much to them. And so if you donate your crypto to a 501c3 or a charitable organization, you can write off that crypto. And so that's really impactful, right? So if I have 100 ETH sitting around and I have a million dollar tax bill and I donate 100 ETH worth a million dollars, I just kind of erase my tax bill while giving back to an organization that really needs it and so donations are really valuable not only from an accounting and tax perspective but from the actual impact right your organization of choice some are providing shoes that kids who don't have shoes or like healthcare or like food or housing right yeah and so donations are a big one because you get not only the tax benefit but also the real world impact of your wealth being diverted into better use cases than just sitting in your metamask
0: got it what's the downside of donating then why don't people, why don't, if that, if, because that sounds like really golden on the surface, yeah. right? So why don't more people do it, you think?
1: I think it, it depends on like the person, right? And it's like the same thing in the real world, right? Okay. I can make a donation today to the Red Cross or something, right? And get it right off through my taxes. People right. just don't do it because, like, unfortunately, a lot of people just don't care, right? right. We all like yeah. want to post a thing on Instagram, but when it comes time to like giving our own dollars to someone other than ourselves, We don't really do it. So it's unfortunately, whether it's crypto or non-crypto, a lot of people just don't want to donate. And that's your choice, your capital, right? Um, But within crypto, you can have this really big uh, element. um, And I think most of the people in crypto that we've dealt with really enjoy that fact and have some kind of greater cost outside of just adding the extra zero to the bank account. I think you have this kind of zero to one of like, I get into crypto, I want to make some money. I got like student loans or like a mortgage or a car payment. And then you get kind of comfortable level like okay i've i hit off on a few of my nfts i like i did a few smart things and then now i have wealth right so once you get to a stage of having wealth it's like okay the next million dollars into my bank account is like my life's not changing right yeah i have the house i have the car i have like the child's you know payments are all handled like so i want to give that wealth and my time and my expertise back um and, and so you know i think for most people they just they either one, don't have the, the wealth to give away or, you know, or two, they just aren't aware that they can do that and lock that in. And so we've worked with like the giving block and other organizations to kind of highlight that. And so within our software, you can actually mark that so if I see So I was
0: about to ask that right now. I feel yeah. like that'd be such a good add on to the, to the product.
1: Oh, it, it's beautiful. Right. So I can literally go in and say on like December 10th of 2021, I, you know, I donated 10 ETH to my favorite charity and I can mark right. that as a donation and then we will provide your donation form. And so that you can have the charity sign off on that. So Got it. The, you know, the nice part of the software is we'll automate that for you and Got just it. allow you to, to donate. Got it.
0: That's really cool. I feel like I, so, many, so many Anons online, so many people thinking they're not going to get caught. But if it was like a few years back, then maybe. But now it's so advanced to the point where you could literally trace anything. Uh, I feel like almost anything. Um, there's projects like like chain analysis right that, that come to mind that are just like the FBI on chain <laughs> they, they're able to crack down and, and provide insight to things that you would have probably never imagined could have been surfaced it's, yeah uh, it's I mean, crazy you,
1: you definitely have those like blockchain kind of focused forensic analytics like a chain analysis a TRM, elliptic whatever yeah but then I think for most people like what I always bring up is like, have you ever used ETH scan? Have you ever used Nansen? Right? Like there's public tools that you can use and see that like, it's not like you don't need a billion dollar business and like a chain analysis to go look on chain. Like I can literally look at your wallet and see every single USDC payment you've received for your sponsorships and see what your liability is. Right. And so the, the on chain traceability is super easy. And because it's the IRS and the government, they move slow, but they're not necessarily as stupid as we think they are, right? And so they have the benefit of time. And so if you file your taxes this year and you didn't file in 17, 18, 19, 20, and you file, okay, that I did X, Y, and Z, we can like look back and the IRS can look back and see, okay, well, you bought 10, ETH in 2017, you sold it for Bitcoin in 2017, you didn't file that, right? And so it's easy to look back. And then what we've seen in the last few years is really the IRS kind of allowing you to really like, fuck yourself. Yeah. And what I mean by that is if you looked in 2019, they moved this question to the top of the schedule one, Have you ever bought sold traded or acquired virtual currency. And so the schedule one is kind of a subset of, of reports. So not every American had to use that, but then in 2020, and then again, in 2021, the very first question on your tax form for every single United States citizen is that question, have you ever mm-hmm. bought sold, traded or acquired virtual currency? And you click no. And the answer is yes, that's tax fraud. And so, if I'm like, oh, I use Coinbase, I bought ETH, I sent it to a MetaMask, I've done all this stuff in MetaMask, they'll never know. Coinbase is sending out 1099s. Yeah. So they're saying, hey, Adam bought and sold crypto with us, and then they're looking at their attack from and saying, I didn't buy or sell crypto, and I'm saying mm-hmm. no. Immediate yeah. audit, immediate like penalties, immediate like jail time, like. But how do they? Tax.
0: How do they know once it hits? Okay, I get you expose yourself from once a KYC exchange to an anonymous MetaMask wallet. Okay. But even then there's, how can you like make the argument that it was my anonymous wallet that I sent money to and it's not some other random anonymous wallet that I just paid for whatever activity?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's like part of the, the way that the IRS works, right? Is, is that all this is, is self provided. Right. Same thing with like, with normal taxes, right? If you work at a restaurant and I get paid in cash every night, I can easily not report that, right? Is that legal? No. If the IRS comes knocking and says, and like, you know, looks at your pay stub and see you're making $2 an hour, but you just bought a $40,000 car. They're going to like put two and two together. Right. Yeah. And th- there's always a ways like around it. Like not reporting your taxes is an option. It's just one, one I wouldn't recommend. Right. Um, and, and so the, the ability happens because you are self reporting your activity, just like you do with your w two, I take my w two and I file it and I say, here's what I earned, And if they start to see major discrepancies. Then they're going to audit that and investigate, right? So if I say I earn a hundred thousand and I go buy a $2 million house, well, where'd that come from? And they're going to look in and see, okay, I had another business I wasn't reporting. And okay. so it's, it's pretty easy to kind of track the flow of funds. Um, and so the biggest thing that they do is they la- allow you to indict and incriminate yourself. And so if you don't report it, the IRS isn't like, oh, okay. Like they're going to go look and say you did X, Y, and Z. And so, especially now when we look at on-chain identity and reputation, that's having a kind of adverse side effect into your ability to pay taxes, right? So if I look at Eve, and you've associated your five addresses with Adam.Eve, pretty hard to say that's not you. You just publicly announced that these are all you. And so as this like on-chain reputation comes into play, it's gonna be easier and easier to track because you're going to associate that this address belongs to day And so right. it, it's we're only kind of putting ourselves into more of a, uh, yeah. a, 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 pre- a you know, presentation of what we're doing. Um, and I think like you talked about, like most people I don't think are are that you know turned off by it. They just want to know that they can use the software that will automate and do it for them. And they just want to ape or degen into whatever they want and throughout the year and at the end of the year, just get it done for them. It's got yeah. the value add that we provide. It's like, you don't have to worry about it. Go Got use it. Compound, go use OpenSea, go use Super Rare, go use whatever, and know that you can just ingest that into a software. Hopefully you made a million or 10 million or 50 million or whatever. Pay your fair share and move on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a perfect place to, to end off. But uh, before I let you go really quick, where can we find you? Where can we find Zen Ledger? Uh, what do we need to know about Zen Ledger? It is tax season, so I want to provide the best value to the audience. So give me give me the takeaway. Sure. Um,
1: So I'm available on Twitter, uh, dhanum8. Maybe we'll link it in the show notes or whatever. We're available on Twitter, ZenLedger.io. So if you follow our Twitter account, we'll, you know, we'll highlight Twitter spaces or whatever we're doing, Discord AMAs, you know, new product releases or, or whatever. Um, and then our website is ZenLender.io. So the, the nice part about our business is you can ingest all your activity for free. There's no credit card up front. I can sign up for free, import my Coinbase, my MetaMask, whatever, and then look at my high level short term, long term gains. And if I'm like, oh, well, pretty accurate, looks like close, then I pay for the tax reports and I get all like the magic behind the scenes. So you totally. can try us out for free. We love to we'd love to help you. Uh, you know our support team standing by twelve hours a day, seven days a week via email, phone, and chat. So if you have, you know, need questions or if you have questions and need help, let us know. And then the other, only other thing I'd say is we do have tax professionals and tax attorneys on staff. So if you're like, hey man, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm an ape, I'm a degen, I, I, I don't want to do any of this, I want to pay someone to do it for me. Let our team do it. Like we'll literally sit down with you, we'll get your, we'll have you import the APIs, we'll have you give us a list of your addresses, we'll import it, we'll reconcile it for you, we'll handle all your non-crypto and crypto taxes. Solid yeah so if you're just like i don't want to do any of this pay our team we'll do it all for you make sure you're all squared away and then you're getting a cpa or tax attorney signing off that all this stuff is accurate so amazing we're definitely here and happy
0: to help dan you are a legend thank you for being on uh we should do this again sometime soon absolutely thanks for having me on what's up guys if you've gotten this far then i owe you a listener badge nft go to adamlevy.io forward slash poap that's p-o-a-p and click the respective season. Fill out your info and I'll distribute the free to mint NFT at the end of the season. Also, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast You won't believe it, but it helps me out a ton. And finally, hit me up on Twitter at LevyChain. I want to hear what you're building, the latest crowdfund you're trying to complete, or if you just simply want to chat. If you couldn't tell already, I love talking about where crypto meets the creator economy, and it's no different if it's coming from you directly. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world. and We'll catch you on the next episode.